Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. My name is Josephine Monberg, and I am your host. You are now listening to the COVID-19 special edition of our show. Welcome to our podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of our podcast of Industry Insights by SAP. We're doing these special edition episodes where we're focused on how COVID-19 is impacting different industries. And today we're focusing on financial services industry and more specifically looking at private equity. And to do this, I have with me in our, well, in his (laughs) virtual home studio, Sean Epstein. So Sean, thanks for being with us today. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, it almost seems like yesterday we were trying to do this exact same thing. It's, it feels like deja vu. For those of you that don't know, literally yesterday we did an entire podcast, but my dogs were barking in the background and I ruined it. So here yeah, we are. Uh, and I think what you're two. also and I think what you're also preparing the audience for is that potentially your children could run in at any time during That's this recording, true. and we're not going to redo it. So just as a heads up to everyone listening and. That brings me, so Sean, you're the head of private equity at SAP. What does that mean? And also, where in the world are you? Where's your your children running around right now? Well, uh, hopefully everyone's going to be asleep for a little while longer. Uh, And uh, my twins, Lincoln and Stella, are uh, in in, in bed. Uh, They are eight years old. My oldest, Lila, is only nine, but she's also in bed. And she's our snoozer, so we will definitely not see her. Um, We live in Arlington, Virginia, so right outside of Washington, D.C., right around the Potomac River, and uh, just a few miles from the epicenter of all of the U.S. craziness uh, in Mm. all regards. Um, And then as far as my my role, so so we, about 10 years ago at SAP, uh, really stepped back and we said, look, if we were to take private equity firms who get operationally involved in their portfolio companies and who own lots of companies. And we treated them like a strategic customer that we would have much better outcomes. The firm relationship with SAP would be stronger. Uh, SAP's relationship with each of the companies they own would be stronger. Our ability to be more strategic across the portfolio at looking for the art of the possible. and putting in front of portfolio companies real points of view on how we could steer their growth trajectory, uh, that again, everyone would benefit. And so for Mm -hmm. about 10 years, that's what our team has been doing. So we spend our time working with private equity investors like KKR, Blackstone, Bain Capital, et cetera. Uh, Sometimes it's about their portfolio companies who need some help, uh, need technology uh, that will allow them to unleash their growth potential. Sometimes we are speaking to them about our expertise in an industry and those investors who invest in that industry take our insights to heart, especially given our scale and history. Um, Mm. Sometimes we have conversations with these private equity firms about where they're looking to invest, especially in the technology sector, since we're uh, generally a pretty good place to come from an experience perspective. Uh, And we try to do that to help uh, all parties. Mm. So you really you really spend a lot of time, of course, with private equity investors, and they play a huge role in connecting 
us with uh, new businesses and but just in general also to create growth for the world economy and we are living in a very like unprecedented time right now there's a lot of stuff happening and i'm sure that the way private the private equity industry is operating is being impacted as well so what are you seeing right now in terms of the impact just like us um they are facing this uh unprecedented crisis and we're all yesterday my word was befuddled uh, today it's going to be bemused um okay. but we're I'm trying to get I, I listen i got to homeschool three kids too right so i have to <laughs> vocabulary words in the beginning for the words of the day right so i'm trying to i'm multitasking here but you know they're not all that different than than we are as far as all businesses buy stuff make stuff sell stuff for the most part so you know like us they're looking at and have been for the past you know several weeks or months looking at their portfolio companies and saying okay how is the uh, ability for us to buy stuff uh, in order to make stuff being impacted how is our ability to make stuff being impacted and what is the likely impact of our ability to sell stuff so it's no different than what we do internally in our organization at sap where we're basically saying okay you know we have 440,000 customers so we divide our customers based on the impact their sector is taking on this pandemic or during this pandemic. And then we try to predict what the business is going to look like moving out. So PE firms are, 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 are no different than we are. And they're doing that. They just have to do that based on every one of the unique businesses that they own. And they also need to think about it in the context of how long they have owned that business, what their strategy was for that business. Were they planning on selling it this year? Were they planning on selling it next year? Were they planning on going IPO as their exit? Uh, that may be a much more muted market right now or opportunity for them. So they're having to think about not only the, the impact at a business level for each of the companies, but the impact on the investment thesis, the reason they bought the company, what they thought they were going to do with it, and then what they do with it now. Then you've got to go to some of the emotional and non-emotional components, right? They, it's very clear that everybody has got to cut costs and they've got to figure out how do I cut costs quickly? So they're going out to every supplier, trying to negotiate better terms, trying to push payment terms out, uh, potentially restructuring contracts so that um, they're actually, the demand that they're, that, they're, uh, that they're forecasting is gonna be much higher in later years and maybe they can go to vendors and restructure those contracts with less demand uh, in 2020 so they can navigate this crisis. They're also having to look at, you know, some of the emotional stuff, like where am I going to lay off people? And at the end of the day, we're all people. So they, they kind of get that. Um, and that's it. That's not an easy thing to do. So I think they're 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 running in a, a bunch of different dimensions right this minute. They also if you take another layer. Right. So we sort of talked about, you know, what they thought they were going to do with the businesses, what's going on at each business. There's also what do we do as a firm, uh, meaning that if they were a, a firm that purchased um, and, and you spent uh, most of their time doing leverage buyouts, there are mm -hmm. banks aren't lending right now. Yeah. So that's not going to be their strategy, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. I mean, some would suggest that LBOs aren't happening again for the remainder of 2020. I don't know if that's too negative or if that's probably more close to accurate, but that seems to be the sentiment that we're hearing. And, and then so then. What does that mean? If, if I'm a PE firm and I've been doing LBOs for 20 years, what am I doing now? You know, am I looking at distressed credit? Um, it's a very different world. So I think just like us, they're trying to figure out how to adapt and reimagine what they do. 
Yeah, I was reimagining. I was just going to use that word because what that's essentially <laughs> what they have to do, right? Like they have to entirely yeah. reimagine their strategy. Have to rethink what they were planning because nobody could have planned for the situation that we're in right now, and that really does turn business models upside down. It, it forces businesses to think differently about their strategy moving ahead. So, if we were to look even further into the future and maybe even beyond. COVID-19 and what will happen when we start to recover, what do you think the long-term impact on private equity is going to be? I think for one, you're going to see a lot more uh, cross-portfolio operational work being done. And and what I mean by that is if you look at the last downturn, one of the characteristics of the firms that has have done the best since the last or great recession, basically, uh, those firms had invested in operating teams that would work very closely with portfolio companies that had their uh, fingers on the pulse of those portfolio companies that were involved day to day rolling up their sleeves in various activities, whether it was, you know, improving sales effectiveness, increasing HR capabilities, negotiating with suppliers, what have you. And that's been something that's been on the rise, meaning having an operating team and really investing in that operating team for the past five to seven years. So when we first started this this team about 10 years ago, it wasn't as prevalent. It was probably you know a, a smaller percentage, certainly minority percentage of the PE firms that were large had operating teams that were formal and structured and well-resourced. So we've seen it steadily go up but i think this is going to accelerate the pace of investments in operating teams uh, that that's one thing look I, I also think this is a buying opportunity for many pe firms mm-hmm. so i think you know the the other characteristic that you often see during downturns is the most successful fun, firms afterwards go on the offensive versus the defensive so here's a business I would have looked at or I did look at, and now I can get for pennies on the dollar. Well, that's very attractive um, if I'm willing to put my capital to work. And we have a lot of dry powder out there. So there's absolutely a thought that, let me look at the lessons learned. Two lessons learned, operating teams or PE firms with operating teams did better after downturns. PE firms that got aggressive in the right sectors uh, where they actually knew what they were doing and were still focused on the sectors they were experienced at as opposed to trying to randomly go to another sector like oil and gas when you don't know anything about it. Um, but those that did know what they were doing and decided to go on the offensive ended up rebounding and rebounding extremely successfully after the last downturn. So I think on the on on uh, from a few levels, I think that's going to be a, what you see a lot of over the next couple of years is, is really that aggressive push to operating teams, an aggressive push to, to buy on some of these value opportunities. I think if you think about technology, though, mm. um, this is an opportunity here. Look, I, I don't want to be heartless, right? Um, but these are investors who buy companies low and sell high, right? I mean, it's a very simple flipping model for the most part. And not to be heartless, but in during downturns, it's generally the time where we trim a lot of the fat in organizations, where we realize we actually had a lot more people doing something than perhaps we needed. Uh, or our processes were really inefficient, and that's why we had so many people that were doing these things. And and that's terrible because we are talking about people's lives and jobs and families and careers and health insurance and all that other stuff. So, you know, again, empathy there. But what generally happens is you innovate. 
right? And you never necessarily mm -hmm. hire back to the exact same level that you were at before the downturn. You actually find more efficient, more effective ways to get things done. And one of the things that we're spending a lot of time with private equity firms, even now, is trying to take a look at what is it that can make their finance department more efficient? What is it that can make uh, their manufacturing lines more efficient? Because look, you can be the most efficient finance department in the world if you fire everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, you have the lowest yeah. you know, person mm. per dollar of revenue in your finance department of any company out there because you only mm. got one. Good job. But you're not effective. And yeah. it's about hitting the effectiveness and efficiency balance. And technology is one of those things that's going to be able to drive that, whether it's waves of automation, whether it's AI, th those things are, are going to allow you to do more with less and do more than you ever thought you could do. So we're focused a little bit first stage on how do you do more with less? And then you start to think about how could I do even more, as you use the word reimagine, how could I reimagine even doing more than I'd ever thought before with less? And I think that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, and I think you're going to see a lot more from the data side funneling into PE firms in a more regular, real-time way. I, I think the, the days of of being even 30 days or 14 days behind on the key KPIs of any of your portfolio companies because you're still putting it in Excel sheets and presenting it in PowerPoints and looking at it in a meeting, even if it is every week on Fridays, um, not having that real-time view across your portfolio uh, is, is going to be a scary thing for, for PE coming out of this. And I think they're going to invest, even though they traditionally don't buy you know, software uh, for the sake of buying software internally and then allow all the port codes to use it, I think that's going to change. I think they're going to be buying at least a, a platform uh, for them to be able to aggregate all the information from all the portfolio companies, really look cross-portfolio. Whose finance department is performing best? Who's negotiated the best rates with certain suppliers? Whose supply chain is most efficient? And be able to have real-time insights into that, both to predict uh, the ramifications of things like a pandemic, which are very difficult to, mm. to, to get your arms around, but you don't need to have the right answer. You just need to have an approach. Here's how mm. I will deal with it. If supplier one goes down, I have a supplier two option, supplier three option. They're diversified amongst different uh, market units. So I, I have some, some security in knowing that if, if some sort of tragedy hits in one area of the world, I can still get my supplies from another. But they've got to be able to, to do that and do that in real time now. I don't, I don't think it's okay to be lax in that and, and have you know, a, a rear view perspective on it. So I think they're going to get a lot more ahead of those things. Okay. And you see COVID-19 directly accelerating digital transformation for private equity as it responds to the, the pandemic. You don't think yeah. that they'll just go back to business as usual? You know, transformation is always seems like in the in the private equity world, transformation always seems a little bit like a big, giant word, right? Yeah. And and there's a sentiment, especially when it's heard on a podcast that relates to SAP, and they hear digital transformation, mm -hmm. they hear long, big, complex projects, yeah. right? Um, right? But as far as you know, if you really think about it, transformation is really just about you know putting on the cape and turning into Superman, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a mm -hmm. transformation, and I think with the power of information at helping you develop insights, the operating teams at private equity firms and the investment professionals at private equity firms who uh, are, are already quite adept at using uh, you know, 
core fundamental analytic capabilities uh, are even going to be emboldened further by having real-time information that allows them to move certain levers at mm -hmm. individual portfolio companies and perhaps even a little bit more, and I use the word emboldened, I'm, I'm actually wondering if perhaps part of what happens in this crisis is operating partners move from being a little bit uh, skeptical or, or hesitant perhaps to, to get overly involved in decision-making. And maybe the pendulum swings a little bit more to the right, where you, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say you have heavy handedness, but there is a lot more forcefulness coming from a central governing body in PE that's saying, listen, mm -hmm. I'm looking at your supply chain here and I recognize that you've got deficiencies in Y and Z because I own seven other companies that do the same thing, right? Mm, so I know yeah. what the supply chain should look like. You guys are lagging. Let me give you the playbook on how to on how to improve it. So perhaps we even go to a point where the digital transformation leads to a little bit of a transformation in the way PE firms work with their portfolio companies day to day. It's a potential. Mm, so they can also benchmark using data. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. In real time. So lastly, I just want to touch on because we have a lot of free offerings from SAP that we are giving to our customers and companies globally. And I know PE, of course, work with um, companies in all industries. But mm -hmm. can you just quickly touch on some of the offerings that we have? So if there is someone listening from private equity, you know, that they'll know what to do and where to go and how to use take advantage of our free offerings. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the three that we've had uh, the most re uh, receptivity around, um, you know, one is I think that the offerings that we're providing around TripIt Pro uh, mm -hmm. from a travel um, solution perspective and helping companies coordinate some of what obviously is a convoluted travel schedule for their employees, uh, whether it's you know, finding flights that actually do work, adjusting flights that uh, have been canceled, keeping on top of those that are canceled, moving around spend to other uh, provisioners. I mean, it's it's a that's a complex task, and we're helping companies do that um, during this crisis uh, via our TripIt solutions. The the second is around Qualtrics, um, and this is our our Pulse survey, and this is really around how are you scalably figuring out the pulse of your employees in each of these businesses. So mm -hmm. as much as we talked about the buy stuff, make stuff, sell stuff, right? You can't do any of that without employees. And yes, mm -hmm. we've also talked about the fact that we know people are going to lose their jobs during this crisis. It's a fact, yeah. but you've got to really understand what your employees, where, where your employees are, right? I mean, the, the questions are as simple as things like, does it feel like a thunderstorm or does it just feel cloudy outside? But what that's helping you do from a data science and a behavioral science perspective is really kind of get a sense of where your employees. We know for a fact no one is as productive today as they were three months ago because you're bombarded by messages of pandemic. You're bombarded by the effects on your business. You're concerned about your job, your spouse, your partner's job, your schooling at home, right? So no one is, is productive. But we need to know what where they are from their headspace. And that's one of the things that we've seen a lot of receptivity uh, from the private equity community because it's really easy, really scalable. I can get it out to thousands of employees across hundreds of companies, extremely simply. Yeah. The third is around the um, uh, around our Ariba sourcing uh, components. Uh, this is where, for example, we found a lot of um, private equity firms that were really trying to help 
the supply chain leaders and their procurement leaders in their portfolio companies identify alternative sources of goods and services. And that's been a really phenomenal opportunity for people to use Ariba Discovery in order mm-hmm. to find those other suppliers. So those are the ones we've got a variety of them. And I think we've talked about them in other podcasts, but those three have really resonated with, with our partners. Thank you for sharing that. And Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I mean, I think it's so important in a time like this that we share what what's going to happen with an industry, not that we can predict it, but at least to make people a little bit more aware of some of the impacts and then also what we SAP what we're doing to help. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. Please subscribe to our channel, Industry Insights by SAP at OpenSAP, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. To learn more about what SAP is doing to help you cope in COVID-19, you can go to sap.com about global health safety and find free access to select SAP software, tools to support your business, and much more. Stay safe, everyone.